We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Continuing our Rotoviz Triflex ADP Tour versus Sean Siegel's rankings on rotoviz.com. That's what we are doing today. We did two parts last week, Monday and Wednesday's editions, where we covered round one, then we kind of moved into round two. We did finish a little bit into round three in that second show, but we're going to kind of go today rounds three through five. We're going to not discuss every single player by ADP, but we're going to discuss the ones that are standing out quite considerably from where maybe the, the targets we would have are. So, Sean, we finished up the back end of round two and into the middle of round three is where I'm going to start, and then we'll move on from there. But we had CJ Stroud at the 212. Olave is the first pick of the third round. Kyle Pitts, Christian McCaffrey, Jamar Gibbs. They were going to Daniel Jones and Mark Andrews being the tight end too. So what we didn't discuss on those shows really was the tight end position. What is interesting in round three is I'll go through that full ADP. It's Mark Andrews, as I mentioned at the 306 as tight end two. But then we get T. Higgins, Tua, Devontae Smith, JSN, Tyreek Hill. But then we get Travis Kelsey. So in that space, in one round, we have the three tight ends off the board. We will mention the tight end four. We'll go in round four. And that is TJ Hawkinson mid-round four. So it is a big area for that top tier off tight ends to go off the board. When we were finishing up in the previous episode, what we did talk about was how you had those running backs ranked versus there was some differences versus the current ADP but there's a quite a tear break then from Jamar Gibbs as we wait to get down to Saquon Barkley in the following round but I think Sean I'll let you start with your opening thoughts but I think an interesting point here because it will be a pivot point for some teams we looked at the opening two rounds of quarterbacks we talked about the advantage you could potentially gain by passing up on those second tier of quarterbacks to go for the elite wide receiver or running back talent. But there is also a zone here where you could get an edge on your league by going and getting yourself that elite tight end as well. Perhaps. 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 And one of the things that we do know is that tight ends don't hit particularly often. Bjorn Young Barnett has a great article up on the site breaking down in detail, going back through the Dynasty ADP tool, looking at what players and positions hold their values the best 
over the long term, what positions are the best to draft in the startup versus drafting in your rookie drafts? A lot of interesting conclusions there. I encourage the listeners to go and check that out. We'll be hinting at some of those things as we go through today's exercise. And Colin, this is a lot of fun as we get into RV Triflex startup season. And I mean, there's a slight chance that you and I will do on. We have the orphan that we're doing as part of the reanimator series. Got a couple of the writers on the site that I'm going to be drafting startups with over the next couple of months. And so we want to get, you know, kind of into the weeds even on the preparation here. Make sure we're ready to figure out how we draft, how we move down. We talk about moving down being that superpower in startups in order to create this team that is really good for the long term. And I think as you look at the tight ends here, one of the things that does jump out to you is the risk that is associated with the big three. And if you look at Kyle Pitts, he's the player that I have the top ranking on, even despite what happened last year. He is also the most expensive player in startups. I actually have him a couple spots lower than where he's going by ADP. His talent is still obviously so immense that we're going to want to have some shares there. I have shares from previous years that I definitely did not get back out of. You don't want to sell when he's in the midst of the season that he was in last year. What he did in his final year in college, what he did as a rookie, and then you dive into some of the advanced stats last year, and it's pretty crazy to actually see what he did in terms of earning targets on a per route basis. The problem, of course, is that <laughs> they didn't so, throw the ball at all. Right, they didn't throw the ball at all. And he was actually extremely inefficient on those targets, which, I mean, that's disconcerting when we talk about wanting to chase the talent. Now, when you look at what he's done in the previous couple of years, when you look at the age, I don't think that we have any huge talent questions with him there. The only problem would be how is this talent compared to someone like a Drake London? How is it compared to a Bijan Robinson? When we're looking at potentially a very low volume offense and certainly low volume on the passing side, if you're not the number one guy in the pecking order, then I mean, that can be a real issue, especially in the short term. And so Kyle Pitts, I think in a lot of ways makes sense for teams that are either rebuilding or approaching the startup from the perspective of I'm going to be competitive a year or two down the line and I'm going to build in a ton of youth into my roster. The problem with that, and one of the reasons, again, that I'm just barely below ADP on Pitts, a player that I absolutely love, is that I mean, one of the reasons we're looking at him as more of a long-term type of player is that the medium term could be very disheartening again. And I mean, that's not good when we think about what he's going to cost in the future, because there's no real point to drafting a player right now if we expect in two years that he'll be a little bit less expensive. Then you're just kind of sitting even, on... Even if his seasons are good for the next two years, he could still be less expensive in two years' time than he is now. Well, he could be less expensive in two years. He'll be two years older. And at that point, you're probably entering into a time period where you have a new coach and a new quarterback and a lot of uncertainty. And that uncertainty hasn't been addressed yet. You're just two years older and nobody knows what's going to happen. And so that's... I mean, that's not exactly the situation that you're targeting. Now, I don't think that that's guaranteed, right? When we talk about the quarterback targets, and one of the interesting things, we talked on the first couple of shows that outside of the very top tier, that the quarterbacks tend to be a little bit overvalued. One of the issues that you run into then 
is that like, how do I actually get any quarterbacks if I'm saying they're all overvalued? At some point, you've got to draft somebody who is either a very specific guy or you've got to take a player maybe a little bit earlier than you have him in your rankings. Well, I don't think it'll be any huge surprise to OT listeners that Desmond Ritter is one of those guys where we do actually see a disconnect between his price and his actual value. One of the issues there is that if the Falcons kind of hit over the next couple of years, if they're kind of in that mix where they're eight and nine, nine and eight, Bijan looks good on a per play basis. London and Pitts look good. Even if they're frustrating for fantasy, if Riz Ritter is running some and then throwing reasonably effectively, Arthur Smith is designing up all these fantastic running plays to where the offense is somewhat successful like his offenses were in Tennessee, the defense improves and you've got this team that is just kind of good. It's going to be difficult for the Atlanta front office to get away from that. And at the same time, you're never really moving into a time period where Kyle Pitts can really hit. And so then it's a matter of, you know, do they decide to let him go somewhere else in free agency? So the situation with Pitts, just a lot of uncertainty and then column. I don't think it's any surprise to people that the issue with Travis Kelsey is that he's in his mid thirties. Yeah. So he's obviously getting into that age pro Travis Kelsey as well. Sean, there's the thing I'll say is tight ends tend to play a bit longer in their careers. He's not as reliant. I don't think on speed as some of the wide receivers we have talked about, but the, you know, we talked for a while, quite a while about Tom Brady and he has changed the expectation around, the quarterback position and how long those guys are going to play for but travis kelsey's kind of potentially going to do that here with the, the tight end position but again a bit like you mentioned with kyle pitts and his value in two years time you know any injury any concerns around uh reduction and performance is going to be very concerning for travis kelsey and um, the other one sean and there is mark andrews and not to give too much away but i mentioned the top four tight ends tj hawkinson being the other one you have the order slightly different with Mark Andrews being your tight end four currently. Is that also some of the concerns you mentioned with Pets potentially with how that offense would be run, but also somebody who is much older than both Pets and Hawkinson and closer to that Kelsey side of things? Yeah, so we think about Kelsey and he's such a unique player in many ways, very similar to a Christian McCaffrey on the running back side where you can't really move him down any lower in your rankings because he is so dynamic in terms of what he'll do for winning titles this year. And winning titles this year does matter, right? I mean, somebody's going to win a title in your dynasty league and it can't never be you, right? And so you have to have respect for what these players are going to do in the given season. But with Kelsey, it is all about now. With Andrews, you're moving into that range where can you do the thing that you and I talk about so much as being the foundation of building a dynasty, which is can you play him for two years and then still trade him at his peak or trade him at a profit? He's right on the fringe of that, though. Like, you know, in terms of where he's going to be, if you keep him for two seasons, he's going to be 29. He's going to be right at that door of 30. And you can think about Andrews similarly to the way that you think about George Kittle, where there's so much risk baked into the way that offense is going to run i don't think anybody has any questions about kittle and who he is as a player and yet his adp is the 605 
probably Mark Andrews and George Kittle should be drafted in about the same spot because we're heading into a season where the Ravens claim that they're going to pass more. That has a lot of potential cascade effects for how the offense works. If Lamar Jackson isn't running and converting those third downs, then you're going to have a lot of drives that are more truncated because his vertical passing ability gives you the big plays. It gives you the quick strike. It does give you some points, but this is a team that could struggle to consistently move the ball. And we think a little bit about what has happened with Russell Wilson, for example, where you go from him being a star to going to a player where three and out, three and out, three and out. I mean, like how many three and outs are the Denver Broncos going to have i don't think that the baltimore ravens are going to be exactly that but you have some questions about how the offense is going to run and i don't think that the uptick in passing volume offsets the acquisition of odo beckham the drafting of zay flowers and the potential for rashad bateman to actually play a healthy season now i mean we'll count that as in the books once it actually happens but you now have so much more competition for that crucial volume in what still projects as a low volume passing offense. The risks with Mark Andrews are pretty severe. And that's why I have him as a middle of round five target as the tight end four. He's going middle of round three as the tight end two. He could easily pay that off in any given season. I think over the course of the next three or four years, that's going to be a pretty significant premium. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Moving on, Sean, now into kind of the round four, round five range in terms of where the ADP is. And what I want to do here is pair the wide receivers together because in round three of your rankings, there is quite a few of these guys, particularly in that round five range that are, you know, players that you're targeting. Or, this is the part, again, I know the listeners love this. Maybe not that you're targeting in round three, but that's where you have them 
valued. So when we look into the entirety of round four, it is Drake London, Saquon Barkley, DK Metcalf, Stefan Diggs, Travis Etienne, TJ Hawkinson, Kenneth Walker, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Chris, uh, Kirk Cousins. Wrapping it back around then, it's Najee Harris, N2DJ Moore, Christian Watson, Jerry Judy, Quinton Johnson, Ramondre Stevenson, Tony Pollard, Michael Pittman, Trey Lance, Jordan Addison, Trey Lomborgs, and then Kenny Pickett to wrap things out. The players, Sean, that I, I'm going to skip over, we'll, we'll make it back to round four, but the two players in particular that I see the biggest variance is Jerry Judy and Christian Watson. Jerry Judy's difference is wide receiver 20. You have him as a wide receiver 13 in your rankings, and the other one, as I mentioned, is Christian Watson, wide receiver 19 in ADP. You have him currently at wide receiver 14. So those guys quite a bit higher than some of those veteran names that I mentioned out in terms of how they switch around in the, in the rankings. Are they just guys that you love heading into the season? For Jerry Judy, yes. And I think that this is the year where he breaks through after three seasons where he was on the verge and had different elements that he struggled with, whether that was personal injuries, really poor quarterback play. One of the things that's easy to forget is that the reason that the Denver Broncos went out to get Russell Wilson is that their quarterback play prior to that had been egregiously poor. And so when you look at the numbers for Judy and guys like Cortland Sutton, I mean, that's what they're dealing with. And then Judy has been one of these guys who you breathe on him and he gets hurt. Well, I mean, if that's the case, then having him at wide receiver 13 does look a little bit aggressive. But as he gets older here, as he deals with some of those things, as he gets a little bit luckier, we hope, then his talent level, his ability to draw targets, his ability to do multiple things out there on the field where he is very dynamic underneath, but can also get free for deep shots, which Russell Wilson missed him on last year. I'm also very skeptical of the other guys in that offense outside of Marvin Mims, and I'm enthusiastic about Sean Payton coming in. So you have a variety of factors there that work together that paint the picture of a potential breakout guy who would break out and still be young. That's one of the advantages of people who come into the NFL at a very young age is that they can go through two or three seasons that are not great, and you're still sitting at a perfect spot, again, for that play him for two years and trade him. You could do that with Jerry Judy right now. If he has two excellent years, you're going to be able to trade him at the price of a top 10 guy. And I know we're going to talk about Christian Watson, but you mentioned with Mark Andrews, the ability to potentially you know, play him for two seasons and then move him. Jerry Judy feels like the absolute prime example of that. He, is, he just turned 24 on the 24th of April this year. And we're going to talk about Christian Watson. And I know it's going to be probably more of a He's going to be somebody as we move down the road. But that's why I think Jerry Judy is a little bit of a, a cheat code this year because Jerry Judy is literally just a couple of weeks older than Christian Watson as we head in here. So it'll surprise people, I think. But you mentioned the big uh, advantage of you know coming out of college at, at such a young age. So then we move to Christian Watson. And a lot of his ranking, and I'll probably move him down a little bit in the next update, but a lot of his ranking deals with a young player from an experience standpoint who is ready to make this leap. And then also the trade value that you get both in terms of floor and ceiling because of Christian Watson had such a fantastic finish to his rookie season 
even if he starts off a little bit slow over the first half of 2023, which is very much a potential scenario. I've got him ranked above ADP, but ADP also provides a little bit of a resistance level, I think, in this case, where it's going to be hard to push him too far down below that because of what he's done, the athleticism that he represents, and the fact that you can have some struggles in year two as long as you don't completely go away or suffer a catastrophic injury, and catastrophic injuries are the risk with everyone. But only so far that he can really fall. And then when he does have a couple of good games, you immediately bounce back. So I think that you want to seed your roster with these types of players who represent upside for you and minimal risk. So where I'd be trying to target him would be not really at my rank, but just right before ADP. So you move down a little bit. You don't actually pay the price that I have him at. But at the price where he's being drafted, I think you've got a margin built in. So that's really nice. The other thing that's kind of happening there is that in terms of ADP, he's in this section with some older guys. It's in the who, veteran here. Yeah. I mean, these guys could lose their value really quickly, right? You have right ahead of him, DJ Moore. If the Bears come out and look like we kind of expect, I mean, you expect DJ Moore's value to fall through the floor in every format. And he's so good that if Justin Fields does take a little bit of the next step and the passing volume is routed almost exclusively through Moore and Komet, Mooney, Claypool are not involved. And that's not particularly likely, but it is possible. I mean, DJ Moore is so much better than those guys, even though that re represents a solid depth chart to where defenses can't exclusively key on Moore. It is possible he's so much better that everything runs through him, and then he's probably fine. But you have risk with him there. Devontae Adams, as the wide receiver 17, is really weirdly valued. He's coming off of multiple fantastic seasons. He demonstrated last year that it's not just Aaron Rodgers. He was great last year. This Las Vegas Raiders team looks like it's going to be an absolute train wreck. <laughs> what they've done in the offseason to make their team worse, to move away from Derek Carr, to have Jimmy Garoppolo, who not only is – it's not that he's not good. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is a great game manager, but – Devontae Adams wants there to be a guy who's going to get out there and throw the ball to him, not the guy who is open or is the pre-snap read. He's like, yeah, the defense is going to take me away. I'm not going to be the pre-snap read. <laughs> Give me a quarterback with the guts to still throw me the ball, right? So he's already upset. Jimmy Garoppolo is not even healthy, which he never is. You don't want to draft Devontae Adams ahead of these guys <laughs> at his age and in his situation. Cooper Cup, I like, but you have... Some similar issues there. Stefan Diggs as the wide receiver 15 is someone who is now turned back into a malcontent, which is unfortunate. You've got some risk of DeAndre Hopkins hitting that spot, which would eviscerate Diggs' value. Wide receiver 14, you have DK Metcalf, who is now not even the guy you want to target in that depth chart with Jackson Smith and Jigba there. Wide receiver 13 is Drake London. <laughs> Who's in an offense that, you know, ideally would throw the ball like five times a game. So you've got all of those guys who have huge issues. You don't have to have Christian Watson ahead of all of them. But if he's ahead of some of those guys, then, and he should be in terms of what he represents to you and the flexibility that he gives your team. Those other players are very much win now receivers. And I think that you could argue, Colin, that they're a little bit overvalued in 2023 because 2022, one of the unique things about it is that veteran players perform so well, not just 
well. They were stars. And the younger players really struggled. So that puts people back a little bit in this mindset of, okay, well, let's chase basically a redraft mindset. That does work every once in a while. And when you are a reloading, you know, a perpetual reloading kind of team, you want to be aware of the fact that you're sometimes going to move a player who then does score well for multiple seasons in the future. You can't regret those types of moves and continue to do them and build a roster that you want. If you're going to regret those moves, you have to have a different mindset, which is fine, right? It doesn't mean that you have to do it our way at all. We're never saying that. We're trying to work through how you can build a team that is going to be a superpower type of team, how it would work, what the characteristics are, positive and negative. If you don't like the negative characteristics, you do it in a different way. But as we look at the ADP right now, veteran players appear to be at least mildly overvalued because of the uniqueness of 2022. Yeah, I would really agree with that. And looking at that overall five rounds, there is a big split of veteran players who are approaching 30 or beyond 30, and then guys who are either just in the door of the NFL or have been there for one to two seasons, which you would expect that. But, you know, the, the running back splits between the, the three guys going in the top five and Robinson, Brees Hall, Jamar Gibbs, obviously Hall coming off the injury, but then you have Christian McCaffrey in there, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler in that top 10 of running backs, Saquon Barkley's in there. The wide receivers are very, very similar. You mentioned the concerns potentially with the tight ends. There's a, a, a variety of reasons there, but the likes of Kelsey, there, there's people I think going to draft this year and have a team again, which may win this year, which is always the goal is to, to try and win. But, you know, with the likes of Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey, that in two years could be in a, a lot of trouble. And similarly with the quarterback position of the guys going in the triflex, or if you're playing in a super flex format, going in those opening two rounds, where the, the winds of change can sweep very quickly through the dynasty landscape. And I, I think that like you, you've had on a really good point, and you mentioned this on one of the, the previous editions last week, is looking at the, the redraft ADP and seeing how that can affect dynasty. But that was more so saying some of these rookies mightn't give you an instant impact in 2023 but people may also be doing very similar and only thinking about 2023 and not 2024 and beyond and we obviously want to win now but there is a a balance to finding that do you think that maybe looking at this adp that that balance may be getting a little bit lost as, as people look solely to this year with the startups yes and no one of the things that I love about startups is that you do have some people who are going for it and they don't always win, but you will frequently see that in the semifinals, you'll have two teams that really went for it and are going to be toast very shortly. And then a couple of teams that are built a little bit, you know, we would probably say better, but at least built more sustainably who either fluke their way in or are just similarly strong because they drafted well. And so they're ready to go right away. You see that as the semifinals. And one of the risks there that you have as a team that just flagrantly went for it is that you're now in the semifinals. If you don't win the semis and then win the final, your strategy didn't work. Because you it's also, so depending predicated if you have your on that picks, first year. Depending if you have your picks or don't have your picks, if you still have your picks, they're all going to be late picks then as well. So you, like, you know, there's kind of a double edge to that scenario. And the other thing that is happening here, Colm, and I think that you articulated it very well, is that when we're looking at this round three through five range, and we're looking at the wide receivers, and we're looking at the running backs, and 
they're almost exclusively. Now, there are a handful of other names in there, but almost exclusively guys who are either unproven or are, like you said, at the cusp Very of 30, proven. right? Right, very proven, but too old. And so when you think about that, that goes back to our conversation about how you want to approach the first two rounds. Because we made the case the quarterbacks are overvalued. It's not overvalued by a ton. So we're not saying people are drafting completely incorrectly or anything like that. That's definitely not the case. We're making the case that from about the 106 to about the 212, the quarterbacks are mildly overvalued. And I think that when you look at the position players that you can get in three through five and that profile of either too old or unproven, you think, well, why do we draft wide receivers and running backs in the first two rounds where most people are taking QBs? That's a huge reason why. Because in the first two rounds, that's where you get the guys who actually are the early peak stars. And the early peak stars have a lot of value if you can find good quarterback value in other spots. And obviously we'll talk about that going forward. Yeah. And you can also, if you have that young ascending talent in the first and second round, you can also add in, we talked about this on one of our recent shows, you know, having the balance between the, the veterans and the, the younger players. So you could add then a Devontae Adams or a Cooper cup to a team that has started with you know, Justin Jefferson, Garrett Wilson, that sort of a thing and have much more of a balance for trying to, kind of rejuvenate that team over the, the next couple of years you wouldn't have the same fear of having that as having Devontae Adams as your, your wide receiver one looking looking long term but that kind of is going to get us towards the end here today so as we close out round five any final thoughts on anything standing out between I guess even just thoughts but your rankings and, and current ADP in those ranges that we haven't touched on or, or anything you want to seal it up with it's just pretty interesting looking at ADP looking at the rankings it is generally the same players just in a slightly different order and we are looking to really seed the team with young upside receivers and build that base again that goes back to something that bjorn was talking about in his article when we talk about trading down even though just a minute ago i pointed out that there are risks in this range you might want to take wide receivers and running backs in one and two but if you do get the right values, and you can work through some of that by checking out the Dynasty rankings, which are tiered, and the tiers represent trade value that gives you a feel for how you would want to do that. If you can get down and get youth at wide receiver and get a lot of guys in that range, then I also like that approach. Maybe purely from a player level, one of the guys who looks really good to me and somebody that has been a focal point of trades in the RV Triflex leagues that I co-manage with a variety of, of really awesome people like yourself is Ramondre Stevenson, right? He is the 506 and running back 12 in ADP. I have him at the 404 as the running back eight. You think about some of the guys who are ahead of him in ADP, like a Travis Etienne, who's running back seven. Travis Etienne is one of my very favorite running backs in the entire NFL from a talent standpoint. You dive back into some of the sports info solutions numbers at the college level, which we did a lot of content on before the draft, obviously mostly focusing on 2023 prospects. 
But prior to his final season, where he unfortunately fell off quite a bit, he goes back for that senior year, which you never really want to do if you're a star, but you like from a human perspective because he's saying, you know, I want to be with my teammates, try and win a national title, that kind of thing. That year was not good. The previous years were unreal. Just, I mean, he doesn't have the same size as a Bijan Robinson. But when you talk about the best prospects ever, until that disappointing final season, he was up there. Then you go as a rookie and you get hurt. You come out in year two and they don't throw you the ball in part because you don't have the coaching staff that drafted you for that. And then you go into year three and they're saying, you know, we don't want you to touch the ball as much as you did last year. And fantasy managers are thinking he didn't touch the ball enough or the, in the right ways last year. And now you're going to take some work off his plate. It's just really unfortunate. The situation there for him doesn't justify the prices, which is just sad when you consider what a talent that he is. It is a little bit of the risk that you run into sometimes with these guys who are not 220 pounds. You look at Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is basically a poor man's version of Ramondre Stevenson. Najee Harris is, I mean, we can't even really say poor man's version of Josh Jacobs. He's just not good, but has that three down profile. So you have guys who are either older, not nearly as good, or in a bad situation who are going off the board ahead of Stevenson. When you think about what Steven has has done the last couple of years when he's healthy, you think about the fact that he's a three down back and is going to get a lot of high value touches. And you look at the New England Patriots and the likelihood that they take a big step forward on offense now that they're actually going with a real offensive coordinator, some things like that. Stevenson is a guy who has a great chance to finish as the overall RB1 this year, but definitely has a lot of outcomes in which he's within the top five to be able to get him in the middle of round five as the RB12 is a great price. You never have to uh, say much to get me even more excited about Ramondre Stevenson. So we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to that. I'm sure we're going to have more of his talk throughout the, this season, but we are going to talk six through 10 on the next episode. We're going to go a little bit into those middle rounds. The one thing I do want to mention before we finish up, I had a lot of people reach out over the weekend on Friday show. I mentioned that we were going to have some listener leagues coming up at the FFPC, both in the $125 tournament and the $35 Superflex tournament. People have reached out to say they're interested. We are going to, Keep that open until this Friday, which is going to be episode 600 of Road of OT. But we will be then setting up those leagues pretty swiftly to get them up and running. And then once they are recorded and done, we'll release those as podcasts over the, the coming weeks. But if you are interested, let me know on Twitter at Overtim Ireland or send an email at overtimeireland at gmail.com. You can also use rotavizradio at gmail.com as another way to get in touch. We are going to be back, though, on Wednesday with another edition of the podcast, episode 599. So looking forward to having that, getting back for another conversation with Sean. We'll find out who some of the players that he really thinks, like maybe Ramondre Stevenson in the fifth round, are, are very, very undervalued or in prime targets to having your startups. And maybe you're not in a startup, but maybe you're looking for some potential trade targets over the next couple of weeks. Another way that you can find out uh, who you should maybe be trading in those before they ascend into the upper tier for Dynasty and next year startup. So that's what we'll be doing on the Wednesday edition. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Martin. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of his work up on rotaviz.com. And until we are back, have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>